So, you want to be a contractor. Ever wonder what it takes to become a contractor? The journey they go on to get where they are now, or the crazy things they see and hear on the job site? Well, you're in the right spot. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor, the podcast. Join your host, Mike Fisher, as he talks to owners of construction companies from all over about how they got started, how they run their business, and some of the craziest stories they've experienced on their job sites. And now, your host, Mike Fisher. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor. This is episode number 31. My name is Mike Fisher. Uh, my my co-host still over there. Go ahead I've, and made it, I've made yeah. it past the audition. I am still here. <laughs> I'm sticking to Mike like glue. Hello, Perfect. I'm, Maris- I'm Maricela Arechiga, a.k.a. the co-host of You Want to Be a Contractor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our guest today, Omar Ramirez, the uh, general manager over at Allied Digesters. How are you doing, Omar? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Hanging in here, uh, getting ready for this heat. It's supposed to be the hottest day. I was going to say, yeah, you're 115 degrees here. Yeah, so, you're up a little further north. It's it's going to be real hot up there. You're repping what? Is it Central California you're Central, representing? Central California. Yeah. Lots of land up there. Out there. Yeah. A lot of land. <laughs> are you born and raised up there? Uh, born, and, born and raised in a small town, uh, Dos Palace, which is about 20 minutes from here. Uh, okay. yeah, lived here all my life. Uh, took off to college, uh, Cal Poly and, uh, decided I didn't want to pursue the, the major that I, uh, went under. I didn't want to move to a big city, uh, and yeah. structural engineer, uh, architectural engineer and, uh, yeah. decided to back to my roots and, uh, you know, haven't regretted it since. Amazing. What's what's the biggest industry out in in Madeira? Agriculture. Agriculture, baby. Yep. It's so I was born and raised in Central California as well. Si se puede. The roots of Cefa Chavez live well in me. Um, Agriculture. It's amazing how you'll just be driving down miles and miles with agriculture, corn fields, cotton fields, and then the dairy comes up. It's like roll up the windows, but you get because you get the whiff of what's going on over there, but. Uh, I relate a lot to where you're from, but those are absolutely my roots as well. And I did make it to the big city, and I, I sometimes question that decision. So, so good for you, good for you, Omar. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those deals. And whenever I come up uh, to a dairy, I've gotten used to it. So I just say it's the smell of money, right? It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I but love that. You got to learn. Uh, you got to learn to live with it, right? Uh, Listen. Yeah. I'm, 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 you already, I'm taking something away. Anytime I pass by a dairy with my boys who are city boys, unfortunately, and we pass by all that smell of cow manure, that's the smell of money, son. Take yep. it in. <laughs> Got that. Yep. Got yep. that. So let's hear your story, Omar. How did you get into this? How did you, uh, <laughs> um, get to where you are now? What, what got you into this industry and, and, uh, all the, all the fun stuff in between? Yeah. T- start from the start. What do you do? What kind I'll of business do you have? little background on Align Digester and, and what we do, right? So it's it's funny you mentioned the dairies because that's actually the root of our business. That's the heartbeat of our business. And uh, so the story of Align comes back from uh, uh, our parent company uh, who happens to own the largest uh, uh, single milking facility in, in uh, California. We have about 10,000 milk cows there, a total of uh, 17,000 animals there. Uh, that's actually in Hampton. California, uh, with a series of other other uh, uh, 
operations in California. So, you know, lo looking at the dairy industry and the struggle of being uh, starting off small from our parent company, um, you know, we realized that there was a, a big need for dairymen to bring another source of revenue to the the uh, dairy industry. And that's where we started uh, uh, Align Digesters, which essentially focuses on developing and uh, constructing anaerobic digesters at dairy facilities where we extract the the methane from the cow manure and literally turn crap into money. Um, we extract um, them. Um, um, uh, what? <laughs> Hold on. You're extracting the methane from cow manure and making that into money. Yes. So uh, break that down just a little bit more. How does that become a business? So from the perspective of, of, uh, of you know, we're in California, very green state and, uh, and you know, looking at, into renewable energy and so on and so forth, um, you know, dairies are known for its uh, high potency and, uh, and, you know, the greenhouse gas and all that stuff. So we essentially yeah. cover existing lagoons or create new lagoons that store the manure. And it's a it's a natural process in there where the biogas, which is generally about sixty five percent methane, um, will uh, you know emit at, out into the atmosphere. By us covering these lagoons, we're actually capturing that biogas that's sixty five percent methane. And from there, we have two options: we could either burn it into generators to create electricity, or we could upgrade it to natural gas, and it's essentially what people burn in their stones out in the big city, right? Uh, so that's uh, the the general overview of what we do, right? And obviously, um, you know, th there's a bigger picture to to all this uh, in terms of how we're able to inject it into the pipeline, who off takes it, and so on and so forth. And that's kind of where uh, the core of a line digester comes into play with our uh, formation of strategic partnership with certain entities that that uh, kind of govern the natural gas industry and and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, when I came into Align Digesters about four or almost five years now, um, I used to work for a very large heavy civil contractor, uh, well known and reputable throughout the United States. Uh, I don't know if I could say their name or not. It's, uh, say it. Yeah, Grant, <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> Granite Construction Company learned a lot oh, yeah. from them. Yeah. I just had a, uh, I had a bigger vision, right? And um, you know, it, it's uh, you know you start getting to these this, these big corporate uh, companies, and uh, you know it's it's difficult to climb up the ladder and so on and so forth. Right? You're you're literally competing with the best of the best in, in the, the country, uh, trying to work for these big corporations, and and uh, you know my my drive to to become something bigger just kind of led me to leave there, take what I knew from there, and uh, start working with the, the owner of Align Digesters to create uh, what is now Align Digesters, right? So we took a development. Omar, you just you just made 
talking shit sound really smart. <laughs> like I have never heard somebody talk shit in the way that you talked about it. That that was like magnificent. <laughs> That's why I tell everybody you can't bullshit a bullshitter, right? <laughs> Literally, you no. are the dude that kicks around. Yeah, that that I've never um, heard about somebody that does what you do that that's fascinating and, and also get so excited about it too right and yeah, yeah. <laughs> it comes yeah. to so much to love what i do and and uh, as long as we have that strive uh you know that drive that keeps you waking up every morning and uh you know i don't know many people that say i want to go keep turning shit into money right but that yeah more of those right that's what gets me out of bed every morning and uh uh i really aspire to to get other people to join our team that have that same focus, right? You pretty much turn trash into money and find a way to continue and develop a, a good revenue source by by doing that, right? So I was going to say uh, it's got to be one of the most satisfying ways to make money, right? Because you're literally taking like the worst thing on the planet and or like yeah. one of the most disgusting things on the planet, and no one wants to touch money, that, right? So, I mean, let, can we stay there for a little while? I'd, let, let's just like develop that thought. The ideal of turning crap literally into money where did what's the root like what's the heartbeat and the pulse of the company is it of course all of us are in business to make money right but is it so that this industry becomes more of a renewable resource is it so that the the dairy industry is seen less as you know one of the uh bad guys in global warming like what is what is the pulse of the business I think a lot of this comes down to, you know, in life you get things thrown left and right. The the dairy industry is already a hard industry to 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 thrive in. Uh, you know, you see a, a lot of the smaller folks going out of business. You know, they're more prone to to bankruptcies and so on and so forth. So from our end, it was a, a way of how do we keep this industry alive? How do we create an additional revenue source for these dairymen so that they have another opportunity to 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 strive right um, at, at what they do best? So that, that's kind of where we we came on board. We had the advantage of being a pretty large, uh, you know, dairy operation in California. But just because we're we're large doesn't mean that you know uh, the the smaller folks can have a. a, a an opportunity to continue in the industry. So from our end, it was a, you know, a line's been formed for close to 10, eight, eight years or so. And yeah. uh, we started, we started, uh, a line started focusing on let's figure out all the kinks and quirks at our place and then take that and deliver what we're good at to our other friends at the industry, right? Other dairy men. Uh, that want to do something similar to what we're doing, right? So a, a lot of it, you know, there's there's many reasons. There's mandates currently in, in state stating that you know dairymen will have to bring their methane emissions down a forty percent or, or whatnot by a certain year, and obviously this is one of the only ways to do that. So it's something where you know we we saw what was prone to happen down the road. And uh, the sooner we took action to start trying to find a solution, the, the better it was going to be for us to to get that kind of forefront advantage to the industry that we're in, right? 
which ties Omar, up. would you say is that is that what makes your job really hard? What makes your job really hard? Make, what makes what you do really hard? Is it, you know, the mandates that come down, the things that are out of your control, or is it just like operating the business from a day to day? What makes your job really hard? I think from from our end, there's many things that, that make it hard, right? The first thing is education, right? There's, uh, it's one of those deals, we love the dairymen, but there's an educational background on, you know, how are they going to mandate me to do X, Y, and Z? And in our, in our sake, we're saying, look, they're going to make you do this. So it's either you join us now or you're going to be forced to do it later. Mm don't have too much control over it. So uh, for us, one of the mo most difficult things is that communication with the dairymen and getting them to understand that we're, we're trying to help them out. And at the end of the day, the other difficult part is there's a lot of moving pieces to this puzzle, right? It's mm -hmm. not only creating the biogas is an easy part, right? Once you have that biogas, how are you going to monetize it to bring the most revenue possible? uh into the 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 equation right and there's a lot that goes into that uh you know simple concept there we all know commodity prices for natural gas are not necessarily the highest and our productions yeah. aren't yeah uh, aren't necessarily we don't produce enough to make this a feasible business if we were only to get commodity prices for right, standalone yeah. that's near that's where knowing that the government incentive programs uh, in California, we have something called the LCFS programs, uh, uh, low, well, low carbon fuel incentive program, where if we are able to put our natural gas into anything on wheels, you know, they exponentially multiply the value of this gas, right? So how, how, do we get to put this gas that we're creating into the Amazons of the world, the, the UPSs of the world that are running on natural gas, right? And that's where yeah. we took a step back when some of the other developers were going full speed, trying to sign up, you know, a lot of dairymen to come and join them. We took a step back and said, how are we going to give these dairymen what they deserve by creating strategic partnerships for people that will be able to, really monetize this during during the hard time i was gonna say right? that's uh, that, that was probably gonna be uh, my my assumption that one of your biggest challenges was was margin right i mean the agriculture business in general already operates on such a low margin right that you're introducing something that has a cost built into it and obviously there's there's an opportunity for return but ultimately anything that you know somebody in the ag industry has to bring on that's going to incur a cost at the beginning it's got to be a scary concept for mm -hmm. for a lot of people in this industry that again already operate on such low margins yeah but and and mike i think that's a lot where contractors relate to that there are very slim there can be very yeah. slim margins because the cost of materials and rough materials are what they are and in california where the three of us can relate the cost of labor is what it is continually rising so yeah. how do you create the partners and the strategy and um the right pipelines to stay profitable and stay in business like just to stay in business and for from our sake right and you're probably asking well you guys sound more like a development company than an actual construction company but that's that's where we we had to make certain decisions to bring a little bit more profitability to 
aligned as a whole, other than only being a digest, uh, a developing company of, of digesters, we decided to, let's not only develop these, find the partnerships, but let's also construct these and build these and be a full, what we call EPC contractor, engineering, procurement, and construction. Um, kind of along the whole process Omar? from beginning to end, right? Yeah. So for, for these facilities, you know, we, we do the, the construction of the new lagoons. We do mm. construction of the equipment pads. We do installation of the upgrade equipment. We do, uh, you know, all the mechanical work in between. Uh, if it's not done in house, we have uh, subcontractors. We act as as a general construction manager for for this. We're uh, a licensed uh, general engineering class uh, class A contractor. Um, so I mean, it's uh, that's where I brought my knowledge from Granite Construction and said, hey, let, let's. Uh, Let's not only be the development company signing up these dairymen and, and you know, working as a middleman between us and the investor, but let's go in there, give a full turnkey uh, package where we could say, hey, we have the dairymen that's willing to come on board and get one of these projects built. Uh, you act as an investor and we pretty much will hand over a turnkey package that will uh, you know, run and operate uh, when we... I imagine it's got to be a little bit easier to sign some of these guys up, right? Knowing that they're going to deal with you from beginning to end. Yeah. Throughout the entire process. Yeah. It kind of related to like Alexia, right? Like we just had her on last episode, somebody in that solar industry, right? Like solar came along, brand new technology. And there were so many companies out there that decided to just try and sell the solar. Like we'll just go out there and sell the solar and we'll find some guy with a ladder and a hammer to, to install all the solar in and hope that he does it right, right? But the, the ones that have stuck around are the more profitable ones, and the, and the ones that are a little bit more trusted in the industry are the ones that own that whole process from beginning to end, right? Same kind of concept. Yeah. It would have been easy for you guys to come in and just say, look, we have all this technology. This is what we can do. Uh, we'll, we'll find somebody to, to kind of construct it for you and make it work. But being able to own that whole process, I'm sure, is uh, a little bit better of a selling point for you. Is it yeah. sustainable, Omar? I mean, how many – is this a – is this such a niche market that you're you're only you're you're held within the parameters and the boundaries of you know people in the central part of California or can you travel out how how mm-hmm. how sustainable is your growth so that that's a neat thing about us right a lot of this has came through our reputation too and the connections mm-hmm. that we need but uh you know we've we've gone out to Kansas to consult projects for other developers that are you know, pretty much saying, hey, we have no clue what we're doing. We know the yeah. renewable space, but we don't know the dairy industry. And that's a neat thing about us, right? We're <clears throat> we're probably the only developer out there that came from the dairy and is now building this. So we know and understand the dairy side of things in and out. Yeah, yeah. Right? We know, you know, uh, if you have a healthy herd, you're going to probably have a healthy digester if you have an operator that doesn't know what he's doing on the dairy side of things then how do you expect expect to get the collection of manure you need for the digester so what's that this really, investment what's this investment cost um a dairyman like how much are they having to invest for these lagoons so on our end we do something a little bit different than the the, the typical developers out there we actually own operate and you know, we'll own, operate, and develop the whole thing at no cost to the dairyman, and they will get a royalty back. That doesn't mean there's not an opportunity for the dairyman to come and say, hey, I want to own half of this. 
can I put in X amount? So they can invest whatever they feel comfortable, but there's definitely a possibility for them to invest and and come in as a partner. Um, It's just, uh, let's be frank, right? A dairyman wants to do dairy and that's what they want to do. They don't want to be worrying. How are we producing the gas? How's that digester doing and so on and so forth. Right. So we, we've learned that most dairymen have opted to, I don't want to touch it. Just give me a check for sending you crap. Right. And, uh, (laughs) ultimately what, uh, what, what they're doing, right. It works out uh, in the favor because it's, uh, a zero headache deal, uh, uh, on, on their end. Right. We take care of it. We, we give more royalty back on the, uh, net sales of the, the, uh, the gas, uh, which means, you know, they don't have to put money into repairs and all of that stuff. They're little getting a royalty off the net sell, which, uh, re- really makes them a, a, uh, a, if they were in a partnership with us, it'd make them a pretty, pretty significant stakeholder in the company. So. Talk to me about your operations. What's it like managing the development of this? Like, what are your people management skills? What are some of the challenges that actually, you know, getting your hands in there and creating, developing yeah. and mm. constructing, you know, something that's so, this is very niche. Like this is, you've niched all the way down, right? So <laughs> what is, what does your operations look like? How do you manage your people? How do you find your right people to, to stay in business with you? So on, you know, we could all agree it's been more difficult and more difficult to find the right people, 100%. right? So I feel like we've been, I've developed a, a, a team that's really close to each other now. And uh, we all agree that if we don't have the right person coming in, we don't need him. We'd rather work harder on our end and not bring the wrong person in. So we, we have become very selective on who we bring in to work as part of our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'll be honest with you, I mean, we have an engineering department, uh, engineering side of the company, but we grab our engineers to come and do construction work every now and then, right? Really? Because they're willing to do that. They want to step out of the office, and I can't. We, we can't create butter engineers unless they're boots on the ground, seeing Ooh. what That's what smart. they're seeing so correct, correct, right? So it's, you know, I tell everybody when they come on board. This is your job description, and then there's another line that's going to state you got to help everybody and whatever. You know. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. You know what's off? <laughs> you literally grab shit every yeah, now and then. You're gonna have to. Yeah. So it's uh, it's, it's a really, whole new term. So you're gonna get your hands dirty. Yeah. Like it's all yeah. you're gonna get your hands dirty here. Well, to your and point, like than, I have to imagine if you if you've built that culture, those guys would rather see it done correctly and and be out there helping the guys that they know want to be there then have to manage somebody who maybe doesn't want to be there and, and isn't yeah. putting in 100% of the effort right like well and it's about being a team player right it's yeah. uh i feel like in life you got to be a team player and be, be a good person too right and you never know when you're going to need that other person to help you out in something right we have engineers that you know work remotely out of Sacramento and they don't want to take a three-hour drive to come down here and check the project when they could call somebody and say, hey, can you uh, FaceTime me right now? Let's be efficient. Let's see how we're going to change this, right? So it's, it's, it's a give and take for everything, right? So um, on that sake, if, if we don't develop that culture from up top, 
you know, it, it's, I, I can't force somebody to join a culture if I'm not doing it right. I've, yeah. I've got dirty, you know, I've gone out and dug a hole for a bollard. I've, uh, you know, yeah. I've done the, the, the little things here and there. I'm, you know, I don't do it as often as I did before, just because of the obvious reasons that not. That's not where your value is really at this yeah. point, probably. My, my value or what I tell my team is I need to go and find the next job for us so that we all yeah. have something to continue. That's uh, right. You know, we all need work. And, and yep. my job is to go and find those opportunities and, uh, and to, to create a better future for all of us. Right. So it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's kind so of the construction uh, and the engineering teams, uh, like those, those are set, right. And those, they can move around from job to job as you, as you get new jobs, but from a, from a dairy, from dairy to dairy, as you, as you're bringing new ones on, how many people do you need on the ground to run? Right. Because it sounds like from the dairyman standpoint, they're, they're just kind of hands off, right. You're just operating for them, but there's gotta be people that you need there right to, yeah. to to operate so our three divisions that that we have within the company are our engineering division our construction division and our operation division so i keep it as simple as possible I'll, i'm the general manager and i have three right hand people right one for engineering one for construction one for operations and uh you know, those leads uh, for, for construction operations and engineering are kind of my eyes and ears out in, in the, the field. And uh, they are, you know, I, I, we just had an interview this morning at seven o'clock for another operator. And, uh, Man, you know, and I thought 9 a.m. was early. I was like, right? Omar really <laughs> testing my commitment. <laughs> Omar tested my commitment at 9 a.m. He said, I you interviewed somebody at 7 a.m. Okay. I left and came back, right? And it's one of those deals. I, you know, my operations manager said, "Hey, you're you're doing it at seven. and I said, "Hey, if they want the job, they're going to be there at seven, right? And yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's something as simple as that, right? The guy was there fifteen minutes before, and it worked out, and you know, hopefully, it'll it'll be a good deal. But uh, that's kind of the 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 general overview of of how I run things. And uh, like I said earlier, our operations guys. I have them involved in construction too, because at the end of the day, one of those operators is going to be operating the project we're constructing. So if they know what's buried under the ground, they will know when something goes bad, where the likelihood to look and what to do. So does it just take one person at the dairy once it's construction and everything's running, just one person there? And are they there full time or do they kind of hop around? I have uh, my, my general concept is to have one construction manager on site that oversees our, our subcontractors and so on. And then I will leave him with one project engineer to help him out um, for those projects. The construct, depending on the magnitude of the project, sometimes the project manager for construction will have one or two jobs assigned to them. And, but it's typically one full force project and then another one that they're closing out. Uh, and getting final permits and final inspections. No, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm more talking about the operations side. Like once everything's I'm done, not, do you guys keep somebody on site 24 percent or not necessarily 24, but uh, but every day of the week, or are they kind of moving around? Or what's the management yeah. requirement? Yeah, we have one one operator assigned to each project. Um, what once it's constructed, and uh, 
it doesn't mean that they're 100% on that project where we might pull them on to help another operator at another project, depending on the task we have going on. So we, even on that, it, I could send any of my operators to any of the facilities and they should sure. know how to operate that yeah. facility. Mm -hmm. They have assignments to specific uh, digester projects and that's more for accountability, right? If our productions are low, I need to go, be able to go back to somebody and say, hey, this is your project. Um, you know, what's going on here, so on and so forth. But that's uh, more for the accountability side of things. But at the end of the day, every operator should know how to operate each one of the facilities. And that's part of what we've created by creating a team, right? Yeah, Omar, I'm hearing, if I'm pulling things out, I'm really hearing that the culture you've created is first lead by example, right? If you can't do it and, and if your team doesn't see you doing it, they're not going to be as invested. Like that is one of your ethos. And I, I, I feel like what I'm also hearing is there's this culture in your business that is very hands-on and everyone is very plugged into each other. Like not very, but at least the right absolutely knows what the left hand is doing. Like they're intertwined in that, and that is a critical part of how uh, successful your business is. Is if I'm pulling out things for, for for in terms of business, things that we can all learn from. Yes, and the, that's yeah. part of the culture I've decided to to enhance on the team, right? And it's uh, sometimes it starts with a. I sent a text at eight last night to the team saying it's going to be hot tomorrow. Stay hydrated. Something as simple as that, right? And then you yeah. have the texting each other saying, "Hey, make sure you bring waters," or "Hey, I have extra waters in my truck if you want some." Yeah. Or, Right, it's, it starts with the simple things that uh, definitely send a, a big message. Right? A big message. It's that care. Um, what 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 makes you excited about what you do? Uh, when we first started talking, I feel like what I was hearing from you know a business standpoint and why you offer this service to uh, the dairy industry, the dairymen, is because you care. It sounded like there was this care, like. I want them to survive and, you know, they're really getting mandated and, and they're getting the short end of the stick on a service that they provide that's necessary for the world, for the country. Like lots of people eat meat, lots of people drink milk. We kind of need it. Um, but overall, I, I, I'm hearing that we were just trying to find ways for dairymen to stay in business because it's a hard business to be in. But I'd like for, for you to share what makes you excited about what you're doing. I think I, I'm a, uh, you know, aside from the, the dairies, helping out the dairies, I'm, I'm, I like people, I'm a firm believer that I cannot grow if I'm not able to teach what I know. And what really makes me excited is I've learned how to create and develop this business and if I can't pass it on to my team for them to grow as people and individuals, then I'm not doing my job. So I, I guess to, to answer that question, what really gets me excited is passing on what I've learned to yeah. see someone else, uh, you know, become successful. And I, I, it's, it's one of those, uh, I'm hopeful and faithful that they will stay within a line um, and grow along with our company, but if they don't, I'll be happy for their success, right? It, it, it's one of those deals, a moment that I begin to not teach them something that I know because I don't want them to grow. Let's like some you know, I'm, I'm bringing too much negativism into the, the equation and I don't feel like that's going to take me anywhere or the company anywhere, right? 
Uh, yeah. If I team something well and they move on, I have a great connection that I could go to. And hopefully someday they'll say, hey, you know what? That person taught me this and that. Because I'll tell you this much. I always talk about the people that taught me a lot at Granite. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say, hey, this person, this project manager shows me what I know. And I'm grateful for that. Right? If I'm ever, ever able to help them, I'm going to help them. Right? And, and you know, it, it's one of those deals where that's what really really gets well there's something to be said about legacy right i mean that you you're creating even if those people do move on like you said like you're you're kind of creating a legacy in the industry right and and only helping the industry if you retain everybody then then i mean in theory there's other people out there maybe not doing it the same way or the right way or the best way and and that doesn't help the industry right so i mean the, the more you can spread that knowledge and those people kind of uh move along in the industry, you're only helping and and creating that legacy for yourself, for sure. Yeah, Mike, and I'm also here. So, Omar, your leadership style is to lead by example and to be a teacher. But the industry that you're in isn't just like construction. It's in renewable energy, right? And that's not going anywhere. So the fact that you're a leader that wants to teach and hand down and continue to grow is so important, not just for your company, but for your community, for the state, for the world, because like solar, this is one of those things that it has to happen, yeah. right? For the health of, of our world. And so I think it's, you should underscore that, that I am a teacher and it's in, it's, it's, it's in your best interest, Omar, to be that because like literally I need you to be a teacher so that my kids have a world to live in. That's incredible. And I think I, I've sh- I've seen so much, so many positive things come out of this, right? It's one of those things where we've, we've gotten contracts before, not because we know it, but because people like working with us. They know we're going to find the solution, right? We've had people ask us, hey, can you take care of our solar and manage the construction or whatever the case is? And we say, hey, well, haven't done it, but we're willing to learn with you. And Figure it out. Yeah. Not on, the, on this project, but at least you know, people know that they could call us and we're going to answer the phone. Right. And that's, that's what it, uh, a lot of it comes down to. Right. Uh, we don't take more than what we can, we can, uh, handle. And, uh, you know, I kind of see ourselves as, uh, I like to call ourselves more of like a custom home build type of type of person, right? We're not out there doing 40 projects at once. We're doing out, we're doing what we're, what my team can handle. Uh, we're, you know, we're kind of like a, a well work, well oiled uh, machine that's machine. doing efficiently and doing things efficiently. And uh, and you know, I do want to grow, but if it's not the right person, then it, it's it's a little difficult to grow with the with the wrong people. Right? Because reputation goes a long way, and all it takes yeah. is one bad bad apple to uh, sometimes run the rail. So it's yeah. Uh, well, from oh, that cause... from that growth standpoint too, like, are there other? I mean, obviously, California has got to be. And I don't know this industry, right? But I have to imagine California's got to be one of the most strict and the most, um, I guess, just heavily, you know, mandated as far mandated. as what you can have to do. And uh, and you said you did a job out in Kansas, but are, are there are there things coming down the line for other states, or or are those people in other states doing it just because they know that it's, it's right? Coming. Or what's what's the what's the thought process behind growth outside of California for some of those doing it? So in the hype of this this industry a few years back, uh, and t- to date, California is still accepting gas from other states to monetize it in California. So all you have to claim is I did a project in Kansas or Washington, and 
I put it into a pipeline and theoretically a molecule from that state could make it to California and we use it <laughs> in California. Yeah. They'll be monetized for that, right? So there's that's where a lot of these developments in other states came about. Uh, the nice thing is there's other states bringing on their own programs similar to California, which is definitely opening up, up the market, right? Oregon yeah. uh, as one. There's other other states that are now bringing their own um, you know, LCFS type program into the equation, which will uh, alleviate some of the, you know, some of the issue we've been having here. Cause one of, one of our other hurdles is getting accredited to be a part of those programs is taking forever now. Cause there's too many people coming on board, not enough staff to review and all that from the state. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we have seen a delay delay there that all goes back to our strategic partnerships and, and who we've decided to do business with on, on the, uh, on the gas monetization side of things. Um, we, we opted to do business with people that have a lot of power in, in, in the natural gas industry to where if it's an issue to monetize stuff in California, you know, we're currently working on deals to export our gas to Europe. Right. And it's, uh, we have that infrastructure based off, off of our partnerships where we're able to do that. But uh, um, do you guys on the trucking side too, or do you guys pay for it? We, we do milk calling, um, and we because that's a whole nother yeah. industry, right? Like not yeah. only you in the in that digesting point piece of it, but construction and then operations, and also I mean technically trucking too, right? I mean that's yeah, that's a whole another industry. Okay. The trucking side of things, most of our, our work is actually helping truckers in the industry who are saying, hey, you know, we can't afford this, this diesel price or whatnot. And we say, hey, we'll do a conversion into natural gas. We'll help you acquire the trucks and, and procure the trucks and build a, a fueling station for you to have in-house and so on uh, so that you could use some of this renewable gas, especially if you're, you know, working locally to where you could come back to home come base back, yeah. to, to and, and refuel every day, right? And that's that's really a, a good opportunity for them to save money on on uh, on fueling costs, right? And while also helping us by create more demand for the gas that we're producing. So it's uh, yeah, we're, so we're many pieces. Stuff. So I, I mean, it's like it's a little bit like Tetris. Yeah. I'm having all. It's like putting it all together. It's a big puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Omar, going, go, bringing us back into uh, the construction side of what you do, tell me what you feel is the biggest challenge in the construction industry right now. And I know that you're you're doing construction in an entirely different way, but I appreciate how you say I'm a custom builder, right? I am, I am, I'm doing something that's very custom for my client. What would you say in, in your experience, what you're experiencing up there is the biggest challenge in construction right now? Uh, uh, material costs, right? The okay. fluctuation there, a, a lot of our contracts come with guaranteed maximum not to exceed and Ooh. our, our oh. ethics aligned are, you know, we're talking about $10 million projects. Um, so our ethics at aligned is if we tell you something and we're doing business old school by shaking hands on a lot of this stuff. Yes, there's a huge contract attached to this, but at the end of the day, if we tell you we're not going over, we're not going over, right? Whether we're, uh, you know, value engineering, which is a great thing on our end because we have our engineering uh, people on staff, right? Um, so it, it's really 
the reason we do not to exceed contracts is because it really pushes the best out of us to value mm. engineer, figure out how mm. are we can do this. And the next go around, you know, the, the investors or our business partners will come in and say, Hey, how you built the other one for 10 prices are going up. And now you're telling me you're going to build this one for nine and a half. Yeah. We found a way to build it better, stronger, more reliable, uh, at a cheaper, cheaper cost. Right. Because the previous project pushed us to do that. Right. That's cool. Um, so it's uh, right. material right, cost. Well, then can you give us some examples? A not to exceed contract is really hard in today's climate because it's not just the cost of materials, it's labor shortages, it's supply chain, it's the inflation, it's all the gas prices. All of that really can interrupt a not to exceed contract. But if material costs, in your opinion, is the biggest challenge in the construction industry, what are you doing with the business to pivot so that if it's at nine and a half million dollar contract, your business is not exceeding nine and a half millions with a high cost of materials? What are you doing? I think the biggest thing that comes with this is relationships. And it might sound weird, right? If price of material goes up, it goes up. But we've we've learned to bond so well with material suppliers mm. to where we've been able to tell them hey you know this is what's going on this is where we're at they see the potential in our business and they say hey you know what we'll cut down our margins here because we know that we know how you're operating we know the way that you work and you're good for your word and uh you know we explain the value engineering deal and we tell them hey we have this other project lined up which we do and you know it might be two three months but we make it up on the the next one type of deal because we're that's just the, the relationship we've built with a lot of these these uh, folks, right? Yeah. So it's, I think that's our 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 uh, you know kind of our best uh, ammunition when it comes to dealing with these material cost increases. And uh, reality is, even with our investors, we do have fixed price contracts, but there's a limit where. If you see somebody's doing everything right, 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 the moment that I go in and ask for a favor, which is not very often, it's more likely that that favor is going to be returned, right? Um, yeah. If I tell them, hey, you know what? You know, we're down to our knees. I'm really at my last dollar, um, and we have a fixed price contract. We screwed up here, but look at where we're at, right? We went through COVID, you know, working on. We had a thirty million dollar project portfolio project of a couple projects right through COVID and we were able to get through that, build all three projects. We're just commissioning the last project now from that portfolio. And, uh, you know, it's being able to go right through COVID without asking for any increases in price means a lot to the investor, right? Yeah. Even they can hey, how are you able to do this? Well, yeah, we're open, but this is how we were able to do it, right? And I know at the moment that we really start bleeding, I could go back and say, hey, you know what? never asked for anything before this is where we're at and how can we try to work something out right well i think that's yeah. a very important concept too right because i go back to the construction side just because contractors are what i deal with on a day-to-day -day basis right and i do the insurance side of it right and, and marisela she can she can vouch for this but they push me as hard as i can to you know get them the, the cheapest price they possibly can and, and yeah. there's other brokers that they're working with that are doing the same thing and then they turn around to their suppliers and they do the same thing, right? Pushing to get them the, the cheapest materials they possibly can to bounce around from 
supplier to supplier, whoever can get them the cheapest price. But it's yeah. a lot of that comes from because that's how they're treated in most cases, right? Like the most cases, they're having to bid jobs multiple times, you know, with against multiple other contractors to get the cheapest and most best, you know, best price. But it sounds like you guys have a different, you know, philosophy or way of doing that where you've got, you know, those relationships built yeah. and, and they know that you're going to them every single time, no matter what, because of that relationship. And that affords you the ability to ask for those favors every once in a while, right? If they, if they had to compete for your business on every single job and maybe didn't get them all, they only got 25% of them because somebody else yeah. low bid them on somebody else to provide stuff for you. You know, they're probably not turning around and giving you that favor when, when you, when you absolutely need it. Yeah. I think what's really impressive about what you shared, like, you're saying the biggest challenge at construction right now is material costs. And I would have thought you would have pulled out like, well, we cut our labor force so it could compensate for some of the margin. You went to, it's my relationships. And I think yes. that's really impressive. It's not, you know, cutting down on my quality. It's not cutting down on the types of materials we get. It's the relationships that I have. And I think that's something that any one of us in the industry can can pull from and learn from. It's the relationships you have with people. Have you always been a people person? Because a lot of what you're saying, a lot of your your style is very people oriented. It's my relationships. It's how I want to help. It's my leading by example. It's me being what the, uh, uh, being a teacher. Have you always been a people person, or is just this your ethos in your in your business leadership? I feel like I've always been a, a, a people's person, right? Um, you know. It's- not the best person ever, but I try to <laughs> try to communicate well, and I try to be as transparent as I can, right? Uh, and it's similar to the material deal, subcontractors too, right? You talk to a subcontractor, you tell me this is where we're at, and uh, typically they're willing to work with you, right? Uh, especially us, we deal with the same contractors over and over. Right. And over right? We trust them until the moment we don't, right? And yeah. it's one of the things where I, I give all my yeah, don't give me a reason to not trust you. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Until they give us a reason not to trust them, which we've had in the past, right? And it's you just have to overcome that hurdle and say, hey, you know what? You're not doing business the way that we want to do business. And we're going to have to part our own ways and, you know, not leave things with, I don't want to leave a, a sour taste in your mouth. We're just, you know, we don't see eye to eye on what we're trying to provide to our, our clients, right? You're in it for the profit and, and go and leave when, uh, you know, the, the way I look at things is if a sub, subcontractor is not willing to do what I'm willing to do for mm. my client, if subcontractors are not willing to do it for us, they're not part of the right team, right? If I call yeah. them because they didn't install something correctly and they come back and gripe about it, like, oh, well, you should have told us when we were installing it, then things happen. I'm not telling you, hey, you screwed it up and, you know, you're going to have to pay me back or whatever. It's I'm telling you, there's an issue. Let's go fix it. And, you know, the client yeah. will be happy on their end. I'll be happy. You'll be happy because you get the next job, right? The moment you, you start trying to charge to go back out there and, and start questioning their warranties and yeah. start questioning their, their uh, written contracts after we've had a verbal discussion of what was needed. Those are the things that that uh, that are really giving me a red flag on it. Well, on a subcontractor. I, yeah, I think yeah. subcontractors are absolutely an extension of who you are. While they're not employees, so to speak, and they don't, you know, subscribe to the one company methodology, subcontractors have to be an extension, an extended arm of, and represent you in some way, shape or form. Because at the end of the day, you're the one holding the purse, right? And the client's calling you. So 
whether you're a contractor whose ethos is more in about being extremely time efficient or being very profitable, whatever it is, it's finding those subcontractors and those partners that have the same ethos. And for you, you're a people person, you're a helper, um, you lead by those examples. So I can see why it's so important to partner with contractors who have at least that same level of integrity. And the other thing with me is I hate conflict, right? I, I don't like, <laughs> I don't wake up and I don't wake up in the morning to go to work and have a, have be dealing with problems, right? That's yeah. a big thing for me. I just had a conversation this morning in the interview, right? Where problems are going to happen. It's how fast you think of a solution that will divert you away from thinking about the problem, right? The more you focus on the problem, the bigger you make it. So it's, you know, there's a problem. Let's attack it. Find the solution. Let's move on, right? Yeah. Learn to make the same mistake. And if you do, I do believe in second chances. Just don't continuously be, be making that same same mistake, right? But yeah. it's, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those deals, right? I'm, uh, yeah. I'm not here to, to, to cause problems. I'm here to enjoy what I do. And <laughs> a lot of that depends yeah. on who you're working with and who you choose yeah. to work with. So, um, Mike, I'd like to go into some fire chat. Some I was going to say, you do you. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get into the part of um, our conversations where I'm just going to, again, I think what's a really rapid fire. a little rapid fire questions, some things that you do um, that serve you just so that you can serve others better. You know, one of the big things that I want to help um, myself and anyone listening to this <laughs> podcast is they come away with with that little tidbit like, oh, I'm going to try that. Or oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or I like you know, that one thing that he's doing and I'm going to try it because those are the podcasts for me that I just continue to listen to over and over again. So we're going to get on a little um, speed fire questions. Is that the right way to say it, Mike? The speed? Rapid fire, rapid fire. Rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. Rapid fire, so, sponsored by, uh, we need a sponsor. Uh, we're going to get a sponsor. <laughs> we're going to get a sponsor. Any sponsors listening to this podcast, right. we are listening and interested. Um, all right. So just give me what you've got here. This is again, more more personal than it is business, but, uh, what is the one resource in your business, Omar, that you can't do your business without? It can't be a person and it can't be an internet. We all use it. What's the one thing, what's one resource that as a business person you use and man, I can't do my business without that. Oh, geez. I mean, it's, uh, that's a tough one. These rapid fires are going to be tough. I don't know how fast they can respond. <laughs> <laughs> really making me think here. Um, I mean, I, I'd have to, can't be people. I think my, my team is my best resource, uh, but I can't, I can't cheat my team. I mean. <sighs> is it, is it like, think about like, you know, I can't do it without my Microsoft office. Yeah, I was going to say a piece of software or a piece of equipment. Is it it QuickBooks online versus QuickBooks desktop? Is it like, what's a resource? Is it a. I think for for us, it's actually Excel. Mm. Excel is, uh, and I'll tell you why, we found better resources to do things now, but I started this company off of Excel. Our (laughs) timesheets were on Excel, everything was on Excel. And, uh, that really helped me structure the company. And, uh, you know, I pass on all these Excel spreadsheets to our team now and they're like, oh, what's this? What's that? Right. And I'm like, hey, this is the root of where all this stuff came from. Mm. Right. You dissect this, you will know and understand how 
What's crazy is people don't understand how how powerful Excel is, right? Like what it can do. And I, I'm, I'm kind of an Excel nerd, so I'm, I'm with you there. I, I love that kind of stuff. But like being able to, uh, you know, just kind of click buttons and make things work inside that and, and make it think on its own is, is pretty intense. Yeah. And it's pretty fun when, when you're able to do something that something else, somebody else yeah. is if you can show them how to be more efficient yeah. with that. It's, uh, I don't know, I yeah. love it. And Excel is an endless like resource, like it's, yeah. it's like the in and out hidden like menu. It's like there's, there's all these things you didn't really know was there until you start using. You're like, oh my god, yeah. these fries are amazing with the, the sauce on top of it. <laughs> all right, so Excel next. Uh, um, Microsoft Excel. Microsoft Excel. If if somebody out there is not using Microsoft Excel, Mike is going to start getting private lessons on Microsoft Well, and the great Excel. part about it is like people don't understand you can just Google like Excel, yes. how do I yada, yada, yada. And like yes. a billion things will pop up and it's crazy how much you can get done and how efficient That's you can right. Get. Yeah, yeah, I've done that several times. It's like I tell my guys, right? If you ever, ever have any questions, I will pay for YouTube University. You guys go and check out whatever you need there, right? Yeah. yeah that's probably my second resource, right? If you have questions on Excel or anything else, it's all on YouTube, right? It's all on YouTube. Yeah. It's all on YouTube. Pivot table, YouTube. Um, Omar, is there a book or a podcast, the last book or podcast that you read, that that you love, that you you grew from, that you learned from? Book or podcast? Name of it. Oh, man. I'm not a big reader. Okay. Me too. Same. Um, And... uh, podcasts you know i'll be up and there's a lot of controversy on on this stuff and and what it is but i look at it more on the growth side of things uh, the controversial deal is i don't know if you guys have heard of grant cardone big real real estate guy and kind of what yeah i yeah. take more of the, the the culture that he brings into you know use some common sense to a lot of this stuff and, and it's uh i use a lot of what i do on my daily based off of what he says, right? Whether people agree with him or not, but it's uh, just do the right thing. And the moment you get in a bind, you have that to your advantage, right? I've done yeah. the right thing this whole time. You've been the one that's been screwing me over or, you know, not treating me right. So at least you knew what you d- you could do on your end type of deal, right? And that, that's where a lot of the things that I do on my daily basis just come from stuff I've heard from him in the past. Grant Cardone, yeah. one of the things he's, I, I listened to his podcast years ago and, you know, in, in business, you question yourself, like, am I doing the right thing sometimes? Like, sh- should I actually be, be here? And I heard him share one time, you got to burn all the ships. You got to burn all the ships. There is no going back. Like commit. Yep. The ships are not there anymore. Make yourself <laughs> a home and make yourself a village. Like Grant Cardone, I, I'm with that. I'm with that controversial or not. All right. Um, Best advice someone's given you that you still draw from? Best advice um, you've heard? The best advice. So co- college roommate in in uh, high school or in in college, um, you know, he'd complain about getting up in the morning. And he said, what's the hardest thing about getting up? And uh, I don't know, getting up. He said, yeah, exactly. Well, when you get up, you start your day, right? So don't focus on the problems. The hardest thing about getting up, getting up, just get up, right? So uh, same thing with problem. The hardest thing about a problem is finding the solution. Start working on a solution, you'll get it over with, right? So I think that's a, the best thing for me. If I I feel proud of myself when I'm able to live a full day just 
taking action, right? Taking you action. You about things too much in, in your head. You know, you just spent 20 minutes fiddling around, right? Same thing with a yeah. big tech. Well, I have to do this. Before you realize it, it took you 15 minutes and you dreaded it for an hour, right? Yeah. Um, just making decisions on simple stuff, right? The, I was having a conversation with the guys the other day about, um, you know, we were trying to figure out, okay, do we order this? Do we order that? And it was like a $20 item. I said, guys, we've been at this for 15 minutes, three guys, your salary, your salary, just, just pick one, just buy one, right? And it'll be fine. It's yeah. not the right, we learned from it, you know, but it's, uh, you know, that leads to a But that whole much like be a part of the problem, uh, part of the solution, not part of the problem. Not right? part of the problem. Like, yeah. yeah. The hardest thing about waking up isn't waking up. It's taking action. It's, it's yeah. putting your feet on the ground. It's getting yeah. out of bed. Yeah. I'm going to think about that because this morning it was not trying to get out <laughs> of bed. Not easy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> not easy. All right. Last question. You know, you're a business person. You're responsible for a lot. Um, so I, I really think it's important that we have, you know, something that we pour into ourselves so that we can pour into others. Is there a habit that you have, Omar, that's just for you? Something that you do to fill you up, something that you do to nurture you so that you can continue to nurture the others in your life? What's the habit that you have for you? Um, I mean, I, I try to develop all these little habits, but I've, I've learned that the best thing or approach that I've always done is learn to know yourself and uh, it's okay to take a step back sometimes because sometimes you're too focused on work and start forgetting things, uh, you know, like taking care of family and so on and so forth. And at the end of the day, there's things that keep your heartbeat going. And for me, it's family. So mm. don't real, don't, uh, if you're having a, a rough day at work, look at your roots and what you're doing things for, right? So it's kind of realign yourself. Uh, Take no a moment to reflect. Just, uh, align yourself with what gets you there and just know that it's okay to step back um, because more times than not, if there's a big problem that's really, you know, pulling you down, if you let it go for a little bit, they tend to solve themselves uh, mm -hmm. the time, right? Which is kind of contrary from what I said, you know, find the solution earlier, but it's, you got to know when to say, Hey, you know what, this is pulling me down too much. I need to take a step back, enjoy what I really love and what, you know, pushes me to, to wake up every morning and so on, which is my family. And then that generally helps fix everything else. Yeah. That. I'm, I'm hearing you're, you're, you've built the habit of, of learning when to step back and think about who instead of what. Yeah. Who am I doing this for instead of what is the problem? It's a good yeah. one. It's a good one. Well, it goes back All to right? that. It goes back to his philosophy of, of, of being a people person, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's focusing on the people and not necessarily yes. the people inside your business, but the people, you know, that, like you said, that, that keep you moving every day. Instead of yeah. Love that. Yeah. Very cool, Omar. Very cool. So before we let you go, I want to know what, what's the what's the future look like for you guys? Where where are you headed? What is the vision for the next three to five years? What's I mean, are we, are we taking over the entire dairy industry? What are we doing here? I think on our end, you know, we're ready to grow. We're ready to to explode. I think we, you know, we were focusing on our structure. We were focusing on creating the relationships 
and creating a good reputation. And I think we've, we've managed to get all that lined up. And uh, I think the next step for us is, is that, uh, that boom, right? We're, we're yeah. ready to, uh, you know, not only take things to other states, but to other countries. Right. And, uh, we've managed to build the, the relationships, uh, uh, both in other states and other countries. And, uh, you know, we have very solid, uh, solid investors that are willing to do, do it all. Right. So it's, uh, uh, you know, that, that's kind of where we're at. So when I love that you guys yeah. have had the patience and the, and the, uh, and the diligence to, to make sure that, like you said, you develop those relationships, you develop mm-hmm. the structure, you develop the, the processes and the people, uh, because most people, most people see some, an opportunity like you have right now, like back to Marty Sell's point, like this is, going to be needed everywhere if, if it's not mandated now it will be soon and even if it's not mandated everybody needs to be doing it in this industry right but you 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 found a way to do it and and most Whoa. people would have just gone a million miles an hour and tried to take over the entire world yeah. immediately right but you it sounds like you've got you guys have you know been diligent and patient enough to make sure that you have everything set up correctly all the right people and the, and the you know in the right positions um that, that, you know, when you do grow, it's going to be successful, hopefully. Yeah. Love Good that. stuff, cool. Omar. Good stuff. Well, listen, thank you for talking to us about shit in a way that <laughs> I've never heard. And I'm sure that anyone listening to this podcast yep. has never heard. Yep. Uh, I, with the integrity that you have for your business and for the specific industry you're serving, I'm sure there's much more success on your horizon. Thank you. Give people, give people shout outs. How do they find you? Where do they, where do they get a hold of you? How do they find out what you guys are doing and, and, and learn? So our main source is probably our website, aligndigesters.com. Uh, you could find us there. Um, you know, we're not huge on social media, but there will be something coming soon. I understand that is the new. You mean people new, don't want to watch <laughs> shit being shoveled and, and turn into gas all day on social media? That's not, that's Listen. not fun. You could use some gift. I was gonna say, you, people watch weirder stuff, man. I people feel watch like... weirder stuff. <laughs> oh, it'll, it'll it'll come soon, right? It's uh, I think it's about the bigger picture, and when they see those generators running, and uh, yeah, you know, that's what'll catch their eye, and then when they realize what it, you know what's generating those uh, the power off the generators, and you know, it's uh, there's some room there for us to to uh, expand our market and our horizons yeah. to yeah, to for sure. So it'll come yeah. at some. Um, you know, or a YouTube channel or something along those lines, but uh, you should, you should absolutely yeah. do that, Omar. And listen, the next time I drive up to my mom's and I drive by the next, you know, the four dairies to get to her house, I mean, that's not the smell of manure, that's the smell of money. Smell of money. Smell Love of that. money. <laughs> Omar's been awesome, man. We appreciate it. Yeah. it so. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks Omar. so much, man. We uh, we look forward to uh, your success and following you guys in the future. And I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Omar. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to hit that subscribe button to get all the latest episodes. And if you had a really good time, leave a review to let us know what you thought. Until then, go gather some crazy stories on your job sites, and we'll see you next time on So You Want to Be a Contractor.